Thank you, Mike and the worship team. As I always say, it's hard to struggle with uh, no talent in a church, isn't it? Hey, Benny. Right here. (laughs) Well, let me just uh, turn our attention to the Word of God this morning. And um, I have, uh, I think, somewhere, if I can put my screens up, there it is. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I used this graphic on purpose, and we're doing a study called Saints Alive, a study in the book of Philippians, so I started with that. And uh, the reason that I use this graphic, it's a picture, and you may remember, and my problem is I was so ill when I was preaching last time, I wasn't sure I was coherent. Now, you've all assured me that I was. Uh, I'm still not convinced, but... Uh, Hopefully you gleaned a little bit out of that week. But the reason I use this is this is a picture of the priory that is a monastery, a church on what is called Holy Island, the island of Lindisfarne off the coast of uh, the Scottish borders of England. And it's it's, uh, an interesting place. I told you about the causeway. You can get caught in the ocean tide if you're not careful getting out to that location. But why it's famous is it became a powerhouse for the church. It was a location from which great amounts of evangelism, bringing people into a personal relationship with Christ, were occurred because of the leadership of St. Aidan and some of the men he trained, men and women, and, um, and also an educational center. So it really was a powerhouse of the gospel. And now you can see, (laughs) it is, really? Uh, Now you can see that it's not exactly um, a functioning church facility. In other words, it's a ruin, and there's no church meeting it in any longer, which is like so many of the churches in the scripture and so many churches of history. We have a season, we have our moment, our opportunity under God's hand at a certain time, and probably 100 years from now, this facility and a church being present here may not be. Don't know, right? And so it was there. But what I wanted to do was have this thing in the background on the screens continually just as a reminder that there is such a thing as a powerful work of God through his saints and building his church, expanding his kingdom, And that we want to leave behind residue of that, you know, blessing, if you will. So it's just a reminder that that saints are alive at their moment, and we need to be as well. So that's our opportunity. Once a powerhouse of evangelism, education for the kingdom. Now dead, but once very alive. So that's a reminder for us. What I'd like to do now is look at the scripture for today. For those of you who are new at this, in every pew there's a Bible, looks like this. If you've never had your hands on one or looked in it, let me encourage you to feel free to do so. Uh, We do put the text on the screen, but you can also read it and see what's in the context in the passage that we're reading. This passage is on page 538 in the book of Acts. Acts Acts chapter 16, the story of the founding of the church at Philippi, which is the book that we're studying. So if you were thrown off a little by the fact that we're having a study in Philippians and my scripture's out of Acts, maybe that explains it. So here we go. The story behind Philippians. Last time we looked at Lydia, 
whose heart the Lord opened to hear the things that Paul was preaching. And that's what we need. The Holy Spirit opens our hearts and our minds. That's why we sang that last song, Spirit of Divine, open my eyes so that I might see. A little later in the story, this is what happens in Acts 16, 25 through 24. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer had been roused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that a great verse? It's not only a verse, it's what he said. What must I do to be saved? There's a straightforward question. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Well, that's the story. And it's quite a story, isn't it? It's kind of exciting. It's the kind of thing that you can make good movies out of, I think. Uh, Don't know what... what kind of an earthquake, what it was on the Richter scale, but it must have been fairly significant since it shook the building sufficiently, the doors fell off their hinges, and uh, chains, I don't know if the chains fell off their hands, that would have been more miraculous. I think probably the chains that were attached to walls fell free because things were shaken so badly. So technically there could have been a great prison break. Paul is the moral center at this point, and he yells out and says, everybody stay put, and they listen. Now, that's some of the excitement. I don't think, I don't know, I always encourage people when we read scripture to kind of read between the lines, think about what's actually going on. I want to give you a picture of something. Uh, I'm, I'm you know, a bit of a movie buff. Nobody knows that. And and especially uh, Japanese samurai movies. Now, now not, not kung fu movies. There's a big difference. But samurai movies, I don't know if you ever saw the show when it was on TV, Richard Chamberlain starred as a, a, as a, a boat pilot, a ship pilot who ends up shipwrecked in Japan. It was called um, Shogun, very good, based on the book by Clavel. There's a scene in there where there's a, a war of honor against honor. And he basically says to this master of a village, the master of the village had said to Blackthorn, that's the star, says, um, if you don't learn the Japanese language in the next three months, the whole village has to be put to death. Fun days. No pressure, exactly. And uh, he says, I can't live with this on my conscience. So he's got some moral fiber, and he stands up to this guy, Lord Yabu, and he says, uh, I cannot live with that on my conscience. If you don't release the, the village from that responsibility, I'm going to have to kill myself. And they say, that's not your way. You're a foreigner. You're gaijin. You don't do that. You don't commit seppuku, harikari. You don't do that. 
He says, that doesn't matter. I can't live with it. I'll kill myself. And they have a showdown. So he is given a sword. He takes it out. And he puts it in his chest. And he is visually psyching himself up to do himself in. And he's sweating and shaking. And he's so focused. It's like nobody else is even in the room with him. And all of a sudden he goes like this. And of course, Yabu knows that's happening. And he has one of his samurai stop him from killing himself. And when he does, Blackthorn is almost, he's almost in shock. They can hardly pry his fingers off the sword. They can hardly take it away. And he is just shaking. I know this is a little close to home for some of us right now. Think of the trauma of that. This man, we read through that account and just scan over that he was about to kill himself. Think of what that meant. I think what was more impressive to this man was that Paul and Silas stayed in jail and said, you don't have to do that. You haven't lost any customers. And he's shaking. Shaking, probably had his weak knees go weak, almost collapsed. Do you see what I'm trying to communicate? There are things that God uses. It's not just the big show-off stuff. It was the fact that they simply stayed and obeyed. They had already gotten the entire uh, prison's attention by singing praises after being arrested, unjustly beaten. It was actually illegal when they were beaten. They were Roman citizens. They were beaten illegally. They had already gotten the whole prison's attention because they're sitting in jail that night singing praises. I bet you they were singing in the quiet place. No, that's a joke. I don't think so. It wasn't written yet. Sorry you missed that. Okay. I think there's, there's a profoundness to this story. And in that moment, this man is so radically shaken he says, tell me what I have to do to be one of you. What is it about you? What do you have? I want it. What do I have to do to be saved? And they tell him, believe in Jesus. Almost sounds too easy, right? One of the complaints in our culture, you know, that's too easy. Surely you have to do some good deeds. Surely you have to uh, walk on your knees on glass to a holy shrine. Surely you have to give a certain amount of money to a special charity. Certainly there's something like that you have to do to earn. No, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. When you get converted, then you want to do things. See, we often get it backwards, and I've had to explain this over and over again with people. We feel like we have to clean ourselves up to be ready to receive. No, this man wasn't ready to get cleaned up. He was scared to death, shaken. And just said, what do I have to do to be saved? And he enters into the kingdom. And then he ministers to them. Immediately he starts acting like a Christian. Isn't that interesting? So let's talk a little bit about the perseverance of the saints. That's a title. Is it okay for us in church to do a little Bible study? That was a trick question. If you said no, I'm just like, forget it. A little Bible study. I was taught a long time ago, I've, I read in some of the, I don't know whether it was navigator training or something, that whenever you read scripture, you should be looking to see, am I finding here a promise to be trusted? Am I finding an exhortation or a command that tells me I ought to be changing something? When I read scripture, what am I looking for? Am I simply taking in knowledge, which sometimes that's good, but 
Is there something that God is trying to speak into my life about it? So let's start with the beginning of Philippians once again and see how simple, how basic it is to unpack just two verses of Scripture, if I could, these. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple. I want to emphasize, we could, we could park on every, think of the words in here, grace and peace. Overseers and deacons, I'm going to have to talk about that somewhere down, uh, down the line. Uh, we don't always have warm fuzzies about some of those words, and uh, we need to kind of get well on that regard. But right now, I want to just concentrate on two particulars, bondservants and saints specifically, because our lesson today is about the saints. It's called the perseverance of the saints. And I'll come back to why I use that title in a few minutes. But let me begin by being very basic. Because what happens is sometimes I find, um, first of all, the basics are most beneficial for me. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Sometimes they're more beneficial for me. And um, the second thing is, I find that people sometimes have missed the basics. So I just want to be straight up and simple about this to the saints. We're talking about saints. What do we think about when we hear the word saints? Well, I think this is what we think about. (laughs) Icons like this. I've got a a group of some of my favorites I'm going to show us, okay? Mm -hmm. This is Saint Anastasia. You all knew that. Sure you did. Some of you may You did? Show off. Okay. She did. Anastasia, I named our, we named our daughter after that same name, not this saint. The word Anastasis is the word for resurrection. It's the Greek word for resurrection. That's where the name came from. How did she get it? Her mother was a Christian. Her father was not. She lived during the years of Diocletian's persecution of the church. In fact, she was martyred. She was called the... Um, Deliverer from potions. We could use one of those today. You know what it is? You want an explanation? Come on, do you want an explanation? No, I'm not going to give it to you. No. no, I will, I will. See the little jug she's carrying, probably representing a flask of oil or something like that, but she is called a deliverer from potions. Why? Because the early church went out, preached, served the sick, served the weak, served the poor, whatever. One of the things they did was pray for those who were ill, people who were killing themselves literally with potions, magic potions and false doctoring and all the things that come out of a superstitious culture. And when she would pray and they would get healed, they'd be free of all that. Isn't that cool? And of course, because she prayed and got healing results, she became a saint, according to religious tradition. Hmm. Okay, so there's one. Some of you may recognize this guy. He's in your garden, maybe. <laughs> I've got a couple of them, actually. I liked them. I kind of liked him. Anybody know who it is? Yeah, St. Francis of Assisi, right? I always want to make a joke, but I won't. So, St. Francis. And a well-known follower of Jesus, right? And because of his ministry and starting an entire order was considered a saint. Here's another one. Know who that is? Don't read it. If you read it, you know who it is. You know him better like this. How's that? Now you recognize him? All right. Yeah. 
I like the wink. <laughs> Did you know that Santa Claus is based on a real person, right? And uh, in fact, they even did forensics. I, I almost used this picture, but I blew it off because they recreated what he probably looked like from his skull. They found his skull and they recreated what he looked like. Kind of handsome, burly dude. And, uh, but the idea of gifts coming down the chimney was because he was a righteous servant of God who had funding that he used to meet the needs of the poor. And one of the most famous stories was a woman who was going to have to be sold into slavery, prostitution, slash marriage for money. Um, he went past their house and through the window. All of a sudden, there was a dowry. There was enough to avoid the problem. Yeah, they're having a ball game back there. You heard that. Okay. Ray Rinko, what are you doing back there? <laughs> so... Anyway, so that's where his story comes from. And so he's cataloged as a saint. But is that what makes you a saint? No. Not according to the scripture. Okay? They are saints, by the way. Can I be clear? They were saints. Followers of Jesus belong to him. That's right. However, conversion brings us into this category called sainthood. Biblically, Paul refers to all of us as a saint. We tend to speak this way. Oh, Mother Teresa, she's a saint. Or this woman who puts up with this very difficult husband, she's a saint. Right? And then when someone talks to us about our weaknesses, we go, well, I'm no saint. But we may be speaking non-truth. We know what we mean by that. Those are expressions. But the reality is, according to the scripture, have you trusted Christ, then you are a saint. Okay? Now, you don't like to talk about it. It sounds awfully pride, but, uh, proud or whatever you want to call it. But I'm encouraging you that there's something about that, and I'm going to press into this a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I knew this was going to happen at least once. <clears throat> Excuse me. That being called a saint calls me up to something, doesn't it? It really does. It calls me up. Have you ever been called up? Called out? You know, I don't mean called out. Uh, <laughs> We all need that once in a while, too, but I mean called up. Some of the greatest uh, stories of leadership in crisis or in warfare or whatever is when a person is struggling himself, but someone speaks into that leader's life and says, this is not the time for you to have your midlife crisis. You need to rise up. You need to come on out and lead because they desperately need you to lead at this moment. And that's what God's speaking to us because we're saints, so I want to talk about that just a little bit. Saints. People have asked me to make sure the Greek words are up there. Some of you don't care. That's okay. I just want to be faithful and provide it. Hagias is the word for saints. It means set apart for God. In the Old Testament, you had the priests set apart for God. You had the tabernacle, and all the instruments used in the tabernacle were sanctified, made holy, set apart for God's use. That's simply what it means, set apart for God's use. That's why it's holy, because it's God's tool, if you will. And that's the word that's transferred over to us. You might recognize that name a little if you've ever um, studied geography. The big cathedral in Byzantium in uh, Turkey, Istanbul, Hagia Sophia, that's the name of it, holy wisdom. That's the word, Hagia, just put a, an A and feminine ending on it. 
changes it. So that's where that word comes from. It's the word for holiness. And it is a wonderful thing that God, who is absolutely holy, and we certainly aren't, he's perfect and glorious and, and um, exquisite in beauty. Do you realize that that's some of the language the scripture talks about, about our God? That he invites us into this and wants to bestow some of it on us in the here and now. And one day we're going to see it more perfectly than we ever can here. He calls us into this, invites us into his glory. We're called up. And so that's why I like to greet the church on Sunday mornings and say, good morning, saints. Okay? It's not because I'm weird. I mean, I am weird, but I say it because it makes sense, because we're saints. And I'd like us to be reminded, just like the screen background there of that, uh, you know, church building, that we are called up to be lively Holy saints, followers of him. Okay. Let me just give you some proof that the Bible teaches clearly. We could be here an hour and I don't want to. Just a couple of proof texts that the scripture uses the term saints for all of those who belong to Christ. So am I getting through? Am I making sense? Okay, here we go. Lord, oh, 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 no, you can't read it yet. I got to give you the background. Paul, anybody know what Paul did before he was Paul? He was Saul. What did he do? He persecuted Christians, right? He led teams to persecute Christians. And before he, right after he got converted, he saw saw Jesus in a vision uh, on the road, and he's blinded and all of that, and he's waiting. God's, I mean, this guy is repenting. For days he doesn't eat or drink. He's just like, I'm I'm a wreck, kind of like that story I told earlier. He's just wiped out by this. And somebody needs to get in there and disciple him. You know, when you become a Christian, you need somebody to kind of coach you along. So God picks this guy, Ananias, lucky fellow. And Ananias is like, him? You know, this is like Idi Amin. You know, you want me to go, I'm supposed to go pray for him, lay hands on him, and have a little Bible study with this guy? You don't think that's funny? I think that's hysterical. Oh, my goodness. So here's how he responds. Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Sorry about the mistake there. should be this man. And all the harm he has done to who? Well, it wasn't little icons. It wasn't little stat. It's not what he did harm to. Who was it? In the Bible, the only person we know that he had anything to do with putting to death at that point that we know directly was Stephen, the first martyr. And he was simply holding the clothes of the people who were stoning him. So who were these saints? Now, Stephen, we would say was a saint, but that's a single. Who are the saints? It's the church. It's the people of God who are being persecuted behind the scenes. So there's one proof text, if you will. And you have this language in the book of Ephesians, which I think Paul probably spoke these very kind of words to the Philippian jailer after he believed on the Lord with his whole house. Here he says to him this. What happened? I'm going the wrong direction. That's my problem. Technology. Yes, I love technology. You you guys need to get out more. Anyway, that was, uh, yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. Anyway. He has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Here's the next one. So then, 
Ephesians 2.19, great verse. You are no longer strangers and aliens, no longer outsiders, but you are what? Fellow citizens with who? I mean, I can't make it any clearer. We look at those little pictures and say, oh, those are saints. St. Francis, St. Paul, St. Anastasia. We are fellow citizens with who? Them. With the saints. Amen? Amen. Okay, so just so we know from a biblical perspective, sainthood is not bestowed by any human authority. It's bestowed by the living God who brings people into his kingdom by faith. And then I'm set apart as his. He looks down on the planet and he sees those who are his. And the Bible says they are the apple of his eye, which means there are consequences in those places where people are persecuting the church and punishing and hurting them. God takes it personally because they're his chosen vessels. The saints, your citizens with the saints and are of God's household. And all of God's people said amen. All true believers are, you got it, questions. I didn't put a screen up for Q&A. I know I blew it, but that's my new thing now. Q&A, questions. Nobody has a question? Everybody's got it all figured out. No questions? So the question you have to ask yourself this morning is, do I have that confidence? Do I have that confidence that I'm one of those? Remember, you're not going to earn it. You can't go out and do it. You can't, you know, start making coffee for Judy this week. And if I make about 10 pots of coffee, I'll probably be qualified. No. Bad idea, really. Oh, it's a good idea, but not to earn it. Okay. <laughs> no, you put your trust in him and you become one of the saints. Amen? Sure there's no questions? There. See, I knew. Oh, the questions when you're studying scripture. Thank you. That's a good question. There were actually three. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm probably too old to remember all of them. But it's basically this. Whenever you read a scripture, what am I seeing? Am I simply receiving information? Like if I read the story out of the book of Acts we just read, I want to know the story. So I get the information. But then I should also ask, is there a promise here for me to trust? Is there an encouragement that applies to my life? And number three, is there something commanded that I need to obey? Oh, my. Oh, you mean that's part of the gig? Yeah. Yeah, following Jesus means we obey him. Okay, well, all right. If you don't want to, it's okay. You know I don't believe that. Okay, so great question. Thank you. For, thank you. Anything else like that we need clarified? Okay, I'm not going to be much longer, okay? And uh, here we go. Next section, what I want to talk about is the word that we saw on the screen, saints, and the word that I made the title out of, perseverance. That's the Greek word, perseverance. Hupomone, the perseverance of the saints. Why do I have this as the title? Because saints, we just referred to it, do things. Saints do Saints take action. Saints are involved in cooperating with their Savior in the expansion of his kingdom. And that's even reflected in the story. Think about Paul and Silas. 
They get beaten, put in jail unjustly, and what are they doing that night? It's the whiners, right? Oh, this is terrible. I can't believe they broke the law. I'm going to sue the snot out of them. No, instead they're persevering and rejoicing. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction in our culture. There's some theology mentioned here. When I talk about perseverance of the saints, remember the title's on your page there, the perseverance of the saints. Let me just sidebar. This has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon. It is a sidebar. But I think it should be explained that the phrase perseverance of the saints is a theological phrase, just so you know. Because anybody ever heard all the debate, are you once saved and always saved? And, you know, if, if I accept Jesus and then I don't live, am I going to be in the kingdom? So there's been a lot of fighting over that kind of stuff. And people have misunderstood what Reformed Christians have taught, which is they claim it as once saved, always saved. But the real point of that is, are you really saved? And if you are then, this point is, you will persevere. So what the Reformed Christians were saying is, if you're really born again, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be evidence. And even if you backslide and get way out in the weeds... You're not going to be a happy camper because the hound of heaven is going to track you down and clobber you and bring you back because you're called up to sainthood. You follow? So that's what that phrase means. And by the way, I agree with that, the perseverance of the saints, that that is, for the true born-again Christian, a great assurance that I'm alive in him, that his spirit is working with me, and that eternity is, in fact, secure... I believe that, okay, just so you know. So that was a sidebar, okay, that won't be on the test yet. But we want to move forward in this regard about the saints. They are the ones who hupomone, they endure. That's the word. Here's what the word means. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance, not swerving from your deliberate purpose or your loyalty, patiently and steadfastly waiting, enduring, sustaining, persevering. Here's how I used to translate this word. It's a great word. It's in a number of places in your New Testament. stick to That's what we need as Christians. We need stick to I made that up. You won't find it in your dictionary, but it's stick to You stick with it. And it's the word that is used in places like Romans when Paul exhorts us that tribulation worketh patience, that word. That word patience isn't, oh, I'm so patient, my kids are pulling, making me pull my hair out, but I'm just as calm as could be, you know, that, that, that's patient. No, it's not that kind of patience. It's enduring. It's steadfastness. It's the patience of the saints even when they're up against difficulty. And there's one other word that relates to this subject, and I showed you that in verses 1 and 2 of Philippians. By the way, I forgot to tell you what page that was on. Anybody care? Okay, don't care. It's page 569, even if you don't care. Okay. Here we go. Doulos and diakonos. 
When you read that verse, bond slave of Christ Jesus, the bond servant of Christ Jesus, I just gave it away, bond servant. And the other word is the overseers and deacons. Anybody recognize one of those words? Yeah, diakonos is the word from which we get deacon. That simply translates servant. It actually has to do with a table waiter, someone who waits tables. That's the language, a servant. But the first word, doulos, when, when Paul says, um, I'm a bond servant of Christ Jesus, I got to tell you, I just kind of sigh. I go, ugh, a little bit. Because uh, your King James Version says, Paul and Silas, servants of Christ Jesus. That's like so insipid. Because the word doulos literally translates slave. There's a big difference between being a table waiter that I volunteer, you know, I, I choose to be involved in that, and a slave who is owned by a master who has no personal rights. You follow what I'm saying? Now, thankfully, our master is a good one, a very good one. But there's something in our broken, fallen DNA that just chafes against that idea that you're not your own, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, that you have some responsibility to follow him and obey him and serve him. And there's something in our, our brokenness that just doesn't like that, right? Kind of incurable rebels, I think. So I wanted to just bring that to our attention, that these words are put there because Christians, true saints, are engaged in Serving. Diakonoi, serving. Being a slave means I'm serving. I'm a bondservant of Jesus. And by the way, whenever Paul uses that language, he's proud of it. He considers it an honor and a privilege. And he's right, because it is. Oh, now, now I'm going to meddle a little bit, okay? Um, sometimes people think, now, when we talk about sainthood, um, and we hear Paul say something like this, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. When we, when we read that or hear that, do we think, well, that's only for the super spiritual? Any of you think that? You, know, that? you don't have to raise your hand here. I know you don't want to, but you know, that's really for the super, that's for preachers and evangelists and people like that. You know, they, they have to be. Really? Is that who it's limited to? Or is it really what God had in mind for all of his servants? That we live in that kind of state of, I'm under his lordship and under his leadership. Saints do things and they persevere. They remain steadfast. And I'm just going to give you a quick survey of three ways that saints remain steadfast. One is that they are steadfast they persevere in difficulty. You have in your notes, if you're a note taker, the first word is D. They are persevering in difficulty, opposition, persecution. Can't get a better visual than Paul and Silas. Here they've been put in jail, wrongly, mistreated, abused, and they turn around and serve the jailer once he gets converted, he serves, and they serve him in terms of the gospel. Here's an interesting phrase. By the way, the book of Revelation, um, yeah, 
I'm not quite sure what to say about this. I'm not a doomsdayer. Um, I think we're supposed to live out our Christian life like we're going to be here for a while so that we're not negligent. But I will say that the culture in which we live is sure getting interesting. And uh, it may be that Revelation as a book is more relevant coming quickly uh, than we know. But here's an interesting thing. Out throughout the entire book of Revelation, we often study it and think we can figure out every detail about the end of time. And i got to fill you in on something. You're probably not getting it right. Most of Revelation is an exhortation to the church of that day to do what? To persevere in persecution because they were up against it. And that's why you have statements about some of the terrible things breaking out in the culture that are making life very hard for the children of God. And you have this kind of a verse, Revelation 14. Here is the perseverance, the endurance of the saints. In this context, if you look it up, those who refuse the mark of the beast, that's what it's saying. This is the perseverance, the endurance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. So saints endure through difficulty and opposition. Sometimes it's persecution opposition. Sometimes it's just the junk of life, and there's lots of it, that we have to endure through. Second thing, we persevere in our struggle against something that most people don't even give a, think, a thought about, and that is sin. Sin. Let me just show you a, a passage of Scripture, I, I, just to reinforce what we're talking about, being called up. The Church of God, which is at Corinth, Paul's writing. Remember, Corinth was a really messed up location. They had real problems. They had lots of ethical issues. And Paul writes his two letters to try to straighten them out and say, look, you're not living up to this calling that I'm talking to you about, which is at Corinth, who to those who have been sanctified, set apart, made holy, called saints, right? Saints by calling. With all who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and saint. You guys there are saints by calling and all the others who call on the name of Jesus are saints. And he's saying, you are saints by calling. You've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You've been called out of unholy living into holy living by him. You've been set apart as his children and his servants. That makes you a saint. But you've also been called up because he's holy. As he who has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all of your behavior. There is some reality that I need to get down into my shoe leather, right, as a Christian. That's why when I got saved, my mouth instantly cleaned up. The drug culture went away. The immorality stopped. And then God really had to start cleaning me up. <laughs> Do you get what I just said? Too many of us are stuck back where we got saved. Oh, man, I was a gambler, I did, and that went away, thanks be to God. But have I made progress since? Because trust me, there's a lot more to being set apart and called up to be saints. So, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Called up, rise up. Great little expression in the book of Hebrews that says, you know, you ought to think about Jesus. You haven't shed blood yet in your fight against sin. Do you hear that? You haven't even shed blood yet in your fight against sin. What are you complaining about? 
And what I find in our culture, because there's no conscious... By the way, we've erased sin completely. There's no consciousness of it. There's virtually... I can't think of two... Well, I guess texting while driving would be a sin now. Um, um, well, I, I'll stop there. But we get born into the kingdom, and we have things that we know are inconsistent with what the Scripture says, and we won't even lift a finger to work against that. That's part of what I'm called to persevere. Persevere against sin. I'm called to press back against that in my life and temptation when it comes to me, what have you. Okay, enough of that. Could do 12 weeks of sermons on both of those. Let's get to the last one, the point of this morning. The perseverance of the saints in serving Jesus Christ. That's the last one. It happens immediately in the life of the jailer, right? He gets born again. His family believes in Jesus. They all get baptized. They're having a great... They had a worship service in his house. And as soon as he gets the idea, he starts washing their wounds and putting food in front of them. And what else can I do? I can just imagine this guy so excited. You know, what else can I do? What else can I do? Serving Christ. They serve how can I profess to be a follower of Jesus when Jesus says to his disciples, you know, all the leaders of the Gentiles, they're bossy guys, but I'm among you as one who serves. I'm among you as one who serves. Well, how can I say that I'm his follower if I don't resemble any of that? If I don't, you know, I don't do that in some way. And here's a very interesting thing about being one who serves. It's actually part of our glory and our adornment, if you will. Serving is not just for those who are formally diakonos. It's all the saints are called. In fact, God takes it so seriously, he gives us a gift so that we can do it. It's our job to figure it out. That's part of the fun adventure of being a believer. All of God's people said, amen, I'm so excited, Pastor John, I can't wait to find my gift. This week, right? Okay. But look, one more text out of the book of Revelation. It's very interesting. There's a vision that John sees, and it says, the bride of Christ. What's the bride of Christ? The church. The saints are about to come down out of heaven like a bride adorned to meet her husband. And here's what it says. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen. Can I read that again? It was given to her to clothe herself. For her to clothe herself. Oh, I thought he was buying the dress. No! You are. Fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Holy mackerel. What are you going to be wearing when we get there? I'm just curious. Going to be nude? You do have his righteousness to wear, thank God. It's a gift. But am I going to be in rags, half-dressed, or fine linen, the righteous acts of the saints, which I have the privilege of contributing to? Not like one of those friends in the Jehovah Witnesses that are killing themselves hoping they earn their way into the kingdom on earth. But because I'm in the kingdom, 
I've got unspeakable riches poured out on me, and I've been called to be a saint. Because of that, I want to please him. I've never felt anything else from the time the lights came on for me. It's just been there. Well, I shouldn't say never felt it. There have been a few moments I've been depressed. <laughs> Not in my right mind. I know none of you have ever had that kind of a problem, so yay. That's why Paul could say to these Philippians, he saw what God did in their lives and their love for him and their service, and he says, I'm confident of this very thing. He who began this good work and you will perfect it until... You're going to have beautiful linen on. You're going to have it on. That's the encouragement. Amen? That's the encouragement. So, what's our takeaway? We're done, right? I do have an exhortation. Scripture is very clear. Yea, says the Lord, says the Spirit. They rest from their labors. Revelation. They rest. The saints finally rest from their labors. Just an exhortation about this. One, should be obvious we ought to find a place to serve. We always have time for what we value our hobbies, the things that we think are fun, whatever it might happen to be. And by the way, I'm not saying don't enjoy those. Of course, God, God is not a killjoy. we got weird ideas about God sometimes. But what am I doing that makes at least my small contribution of some sort serve? Number two, some people who are serving are carrying too much of a load, and I'm not going to let up until you repent. In other words, we, we had a major loss in this church. We lost a bunch of servants, people who did stuff. And now it's fallen on a few who are trying to carry. And you know what? God's not asking you to be Hercules and hold up the universe. You can actually be sinning doing that. Number two. Number three. We need to move towards serving according to our gifting rather than what I see a lot, we rotate through and do things because it's kind of like making the donuts. Remember that poor guy? I got to go make the donut. Oh, it's my week to serve. Oh, joy. I'm in this or that. And it's just real coffee or kids or whatever it is. Golly, Moses, you know. It's like, you know, like your assignment. Oh, I got to do the dishes tonight. Oh, what joy. You know what I learned? I actually enjoy doing dishes can actually do that. Learn to serve according to your gift because it breathes life into you. We need to grow in that. We need to adjust because it'll make not only you happier, it'll make the ministry more prosperous because a gift has got its hand on it rather than just making it work. Every true member, as Bonhoeffer said, must have an occupation or the congregation at large will suffer. That's what he said. I didn't him. I went to see Jim Bays yesterday. I, I got such a kick out of him when I first came here and I would preach and, and he would quote stuff back to me. He's such a riot, you know, plus his dumb jokes, but never mind his dumb jokes. And he, ha he hit me with another one yesterday. I said, I'm never going to forgive you. But anyway, that, that's a joke. He, he says to me one day after I taught and I quoted from this man who's a uh, who's passed away now, Alan Rickman from Sense and Sensibility. He's stressing over the girl he's in love with, and she's deathly ill, and he's pacing the halls, and he's, he's what do I do? And somebody comes out, I think it was the doctor or, his, or the mother, and he says, 
give me an occupation or I shall go mad. Wow. So Jim Bays walks up to me, and this guy, I don't expect him to do anything else anymore, but he goes, give me an occupation or I shall go mad. <laughs> what, a, what a blessing. It's so funny. We must serve. Find something. Start somewhere. Even if it isn't your gift, start there and work your way up and find your gift. You don't have to, you don't have to stay trapped in prison, you know. It's not. And we're talking today, my brother mentioned entry level. I mean, we're going to try to have some things available to get started. Those of us who are new, jump in on something. Put your hands on something. Find out if it works. If it doesn't, pass it on to the next person looking for something and find your gifting and then jump in. And so let me just encourage you to stay tuned. Great song. Love it. One of my favorites. For all the saints. We sang it at my uh, installation because I value it so much. Let me just read two verses. For all the saints who from their labors rest. Who thee by faith before the world confess thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Hallelujah. O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Hallelujah. You get the drift? May thy soldiers now Faithful, true, and bold. Fight as those saints who nobly fought of old. The perseverance of the saints. And win with them the victor's crown of gold. Alleluia. She has the privilege of clothing herself in beautiful dress. That's our opportunity. Let's stand together as we are dismissed. I said I will be here for five minutes, um, ten minutes. Don't hesitate to come up and talk. We can at least make a date or what have you. And uh, then I'm going to run on my way. So let's pray together. We bless your name, God, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Every bit of mercy that you dribble down on us at any moment. On a daily basis, some of us say we're thankful to have food and covering and with these to be content. But you usually bless us with way beyond that. And then we have this phenomenal privilege of not just surviving this world or getting through it, trying to snatch some pleasure from all the things that, God, you've allowed in the world that are fun, but we have this privilege of putting our hand to the issue, cooperating with you in this fabulous, redemptive community that you're building bringing people into your family, making them holy, calling us up, transforming us, and continuing to repeat the cycle. So help us to get into that by the grace of God. We'll bless you and we'll thank you in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said amen and amen. Enjoy a beautiful day. You are dismissed and welcome to come chat.